Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So we've got a really interesting show today. We've got a guest, Marie Morano, and, you know, she's an interesting lady. She started the world's first woman-owned rental car company at one of the largest airports in the world. Then she moved on from that, and she built a company that reached over $18 million in sales every year on average. And when you think about her background, she, you know, she and her husband, Frank, started a gaming company with her father and her brother in Vegas. And her father and her brother convinced their programmer to create a rigged video poker game, left town, then hired an assassin who killed the programmer before leaving town. That's a little bit of a mess, but that's not the worst thing that happened. The worst thing that happened to her happened in 2012, and her husband, the love of her life, had a massive heart attack and passed away. And what what she's going to talk to us about is that you know, relationships are, that's our, the main thing in our life. And she's going to help us understand how to create those relationships and how to find them. She's a licensed minister in the wedding capital of the world. She's performed over 2,500 weddings for 10 years, and she's looking to find love again too. So when you're out in the dating world for a while, it can be frightening and you have to learn how to date again. I can't even imagine. And so she developed a course that gives you concrete steps to help you get out in the dating world. And we're going to talk about that today Um, because all of us, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're 50, 60, 70, 80, you're still, there's still love out there looking for you. If you're looking for it, Maria, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me back, Leah. You know, it's interesting because yesterday, now I don't know when we're going to air, but yesterday was February 22, 2022. It was a huge wedding day in Las Vegas. Huge. Probably about 4,000 wedding ceremonies here. And when you talk about finding love, one of my couples at the end of the evening, they were a little older than me and they had met through a matchmaking company. And six months later, they were in front of me. So you never know when you're going to find love. Never. You never know. Wow, that's a ton of weddings. Oh, yes. And I did. So I was really fortunate. I'm blessed to to do what I do, uh, talking about love. But also, you know, I get to officiate weddings. So yesterday morning, I started at, left the house at 6 a.m. I did about eight, nine weddings at one location, hopped on a helicopter, went to the Grand Canyon in bad weather, (laughs) married a couple, came back and then went back to the wedding uh, chapel. And my last wedding was at 11 p.m. It was a long day, but it was so fulfilling, so fulfilling. Well, it sounds like it was full of love. That's exactly right. And that's what we need more of love. Boy, isn't that the truth? I mean, we're, I think the January, February, the cold weather, we're, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and, and it's been a cold winter across the United States. But, you know, I think that, that it makes me feel a little lonely. And a lot of times you don't have to be around a, a lot of people that won't necessarily keep you from feeling lonely. 
That's true. And I think loneliness starts really from within, as you uh, just said. And that's the key thing. And as identifying, you know, if you can take a moment and nobody likes to feel, you know, you get that heaviness right in your, your heart. And sometimes your stomach will bother you. Maybe your palms will sweat. You'll even get a headache or your heart will race because it's, it's almost like a mini panic attack when, when those pangs of loneliness strike you. And it's important to take a moment and think about what's triggering that loneliness. And when you start with really identifying yourself, that's the key ingredient, what, what's going on within. So how do people, you know, how do people find you? If Let's say they decided that, you know what, I just really want to meet somebody. I want to have somebody to share my life with. Do they, do they take your course or how does it start? Well, actually, what I like to do is I like to give back because, you know, I've been in the dating world kind of on a pause for a while, but it's uh, not easy, as you said, getting to a certain age in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, and even 80s wanting to find love again. So what I like to do is I like to provide and give back to the people that I work with, and I um, talk to them about finding love. I also provide them maybe with a, the tools of like a free profile starter kit, because you need to... If you're going to want to find love, it's just like finding a job. You have to put yourself out there on the different platforms. Prince or Princess Charming is not going to wind up at your doorstep. You have to go out and find Prince or Princess Charming. And that might mean getting out there and networking more, going out, you know, going to more events, getting involved in activities, and even putting yourself online. And taking that leap or maybe even investing in a matchmaker if that's what you want to do. So what I do is I talk about the different avenues for people that are looking to get back into the dating world. Because some people, they do want to do it themselves. and They want to go on the different dating apps, but they want to date safely. And I think that's the key thing. And have fun and not necessarily go out on 100 dates, but, you know, to meet some good quality people to see if that's going to be the right match for them. Then you have other people that want somebody to do it for them. However, it's just like anything else. Like you were sharing with me, you're going on for your PhD. Somebody is not coaching you. You're doing the work yourself. So even when you go find a matchmaker, you have to start working on you. And then, of course, I will coach people. I get them prepped for maybe a first date because they they don't know what to do and they really might not know what to say because they've been out of a relationship for a while. So that's where they come in and see me. And I give them those gentle helping hands and the tools to get them back out there and date safely. Well, you make such a good point. You know, if you haven't done something, if you haven't started a, a conversation with somebody that you're just meeting, you really forget how to do it. What you maybe used to come very natural to you now can be like speaking a foreign language. <laughs> yes, you know, it's interesting because you might have the individual that was married like myself. I was married for 33 years with my late husband, 35 years. That's a long time. And you do become comfortable. You get to know each other's language and love language. However, getting back in the dating world, you just can't assume. You have to be able to articulate and communicate, but not just verbally, but also with your body language as well. And those are the key things. Then you have the other side, Leah, where you have professionals that are out there that have been working so hard and they decide they want to find love. 
And yet when they meet somebody for conversation, it's almost like an interview style. So you really have to learn the art of good, you know, communication skills and socialization skills. And that's the key thing. And being relaxed. Oh, gosh, that's the biggest thing. Just relaxing. Well, I can imagine because I've been married for a very, very long time and over 40 years. And and I can I can imagine how difficult it would be to just kind of I wouldn't know what to say to somebody on a first date because I'm so used to, you know, we've got our we've got our beat down. We've got our vibe going um, and there's no pressure. And granted, a lot of that pressure comes from with ourselves, comes from within. How do you help people let go of that pressure? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, congratulations on 40 years. plus. <laughs> that is lovely to hear. Uh, nowadays, that's a rarity, just so that you know. But getting back on a first, when you go out on a first date, it's important, number one, that you truly, truly relax. And remember, this is not an interview. So, for example, let's just hypothetically say that you met somebody on a dating app and you're going to meet them someplace. Well, one of the key things is try to meet in a place that you're comfortable with. You know, everybody does this traditional Starbucks, right? Or try something different. You know, look for some great little coffee shops or tea houses, something where it's not so cookie cutter, where maybe you can sit back and relax and maybe you can have a great pastry and you can have a cup of cappuccino. Put yourself in that environment to relax yourself so that when you when you meet someone, you're not so much, you know, tense, Uh, especially most people know when you're showing up at Starbucks and you're meeting for the first time. And then what also, too, is take a look at, at somebody's profile or if you've spoken to them or you met them and learn a little bit about who they are, uh, strike conversation with, you know, so tell me what was the last vacation you had that was, you know, amazing, or tell me a little bit about, you know, you enjoy playing golf or you hike, what are your favorite hiking trails? It doesn't always have to be so uh, like a journalistic approach, but really, truly relaxing. I learned something a long time ago, Leah, and my, my late husband used to tell me this, and I think this happens more so, I think men and women, is whenever we have to meet somebody for the first time, we're so concerned about making a good impression about them liking us. And my late husband, Frank, used to tell me, don't worry about them liking you. You need to see if you like them. Those are powerful words. They sure are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it, that's that's a really, really good point. And I think if we're so focused on the other person and we don't give ourselves the time and, and the attention that we need, it's going to be a bad decision. Absolutely. And especially when you're getting back into the dating world and you're so concerned about how do I look, how am I acting, how am I sounding, that you're not enjoying being present and being in the moment. So what are the most common problems that you hear for people that are male or male and female problems the same? Are they different? Well, first of all, one of the key things is, is I, I hear, from example, I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago about leveling up your relationship. And there was a woman in the audience and she uh, was single. She still is single for 20 plus years. And she said, I just went out with somebody. And all he talked about was his late wife. And he went on and on and on. So one of the things is, is I always tell uh, clients and friends, you really need to work on yourself 
before you get back in the dating world. And that means making sure that you're ready to open up to someone else and not bring the residuals from your past relationships into something that is new. Now, that doesn't mean that that gentleman shouldn't talk about his late wife. That I think he's talking about somebody he shared a life with, and I I totally understand that. However, sometimes that's how somebody heals is by talking to someone. So I think one of the common mistakes is don't talk too much about what you had or what you miss or what didn't work. Talk about going forward with the positive approach. That's, that's good advice. That really is. And that positive approach is something that I'm amazed at how hard that can be for people. Research shows every day we have three times more positive events that happen in our life. But what do we hold on to? We hold on to the negative. That's just the way the brain works. You know, back in those days of eat or be eaten, we needed it. <laughs> but now I think, you know, we, we our bandwidth we need our bandwidth to just go to 5G because there's so much going on. And it's hard. It's hard to see the positive. And that is so, you know, it really, it's so true is, is this is, you know, I recommend have just like, again, have some great conversation started. Like where was your last, you know, vacation? That was great. And even if it did entail somebody else in their life, just admit that somebody else say, and even if you didn't have a good relationship, never talk negative about somebody that was in your life because every relationship that you've had in your past really has helped mold you into who you are today and using each relationship as a lesson to be learned, especially if it didn't work out. But I just, I tell my clients I have four or five or maybe six questions. Where are you traveling? You know, what's next for you? Have you read any great books lately? Any movies? Do you cook? Are there any great recipes that you'd like to share? Any family traditions? Or what, you know, how far back do you remember? Uh, how young were you when you really started to remember something that was very significant in your life? So just fun questions where you grew up, maybe something about their family to kind of just, you know, give it, maybe you'll find some commonality there. There are too many times that we think we must have chemistry and we think that chemistry is the key. And it's really more about making a connection with somebody. Chemistry comes, it comes. But you're saying it doesn't, you don't start with the chemistry. No, you know, that is so hard because what happens is, and you know, I've been out there in the dating world, I see this happen to other people and clients, is I've got to feel like, you know, they, they feel like they have to feel like they want to be able to be intimate with that person, that there has to be that type of chemistry. And, and you know, that takes time before you want to get to that point. Yes, you might want to, you want to look at somebody and say, you know what, I really would like to hug them. I really would like to kiss them. I understand that. And that's, that's great. But at the same point, you don't want it to where the chemistry is sizzling hot. Okay. Where you wind up then getting clouded with your vision and you move from having a date into moving into being intimate right away. And you're really clouding your judgment because you haven't given each other the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the individual, them learning about you and you learning about them. It's almost as if you are going to put a surgeon out there, 
somebody that came out of medical school that has never done surgery and tell them, okay, go perform an appendectomy. And that's what happens with relationships. We go from point A to Z right away and we forget all the other steps because we become, we get so involved with that dopamine high, right? That, that you get from feeling that chemistry, which we think is love and it's not love. So do you find men or women are more apt to move too quickly or neither? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, um, meet men that that want to get to that point. However, there are some men out there that are quality men that want to take the time before they get to know uh, a woman. I had a man tell me that there was somebody he met and she said to him, well, did you want to get intimate, you know, right away? And he said, you know what? He said, I want to get to know who you are because when I come to that point, I want to be able to make love to you and not have sex with you. That is powerful. <laughs> that, that is powerful. Is. So I think, you know, we're all coming at different places and we're all looking for different things. But the one thing, when I listen to my clients and they talk about the difficulties that they have in their relationships, and most of them stem from around communication, either lack of communication or not communicating the right message. And I think, you know, everybody can learn how to communicate more effectively. What advice do you give people for communication? Well, you need to really start with your feelings and how you feel. I just gave a talk about how to level up your personal relationship for 2022. And one of the things that I share is that if you're in a relationship, you know, you need to talk about what your common values are and what you want, like writing out your mission statement or your goals for the year. And even if you're single, you can do this. You know, what do you want in a relationship? Be single. And then talk about what you can to do to improve your communication. Are you the type of person that you find it a little hard to articulate? Even if you're in a relationship, sometimes you don't want to address that white elephant in the room. And you know what, even if it doesn't sound the best or it comes out a little garbled, you have to start somewhere. So you need to start communicating with, and how you start with other people. So communication isn't just in your personal relationship, it's also in your relationships that you have with people in your professional life. So you have to start someplace and you have to start conveying what you feel, what you like, what you don't like, what your boundaries are. And that's the key thing. Don't hide them and don't assume somebody's going to know because maybe your body language might change. Some people are just not that astute. Well, and some people, you know, think that you can just read their mind. Well, you should know what I want. Well, <laughs> How would I know what you want? I mean, you know, fortune telling and mind reading are both self-defeating thoughts and that we're all at times will do. So I think you're right. You, you have to be responsible for making sure that what you need and what you want are communicated. If you don't start with what you want, you're defeating your purpose because then you're back, you're into a situation where you are trying to please someone else and that, you know, after a while you get to be very resentful. So again, it starts with who you are and, and letting people know what you're looking for or if you're single. And then if you're in a relationship, you know, give, if, give each other a report card every month or so. See how you're doing in the department of being a partner to your loved one. 
I love that idea. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> that could be a lot of fun, you know? <laughs> well, it can. How am I doing as a wife, a husband, a partner? How am I doing? Am I, you know, meeting your emotional, physical, you know, and mental needs? Are you meeting mine? Am I meeting yours? And then that's where you start to, to think about leveling up your relationship. Well, for people that, that let's say, are older, and to me, older is 80 in that in that world. Is it different for them? Because, you know, things change as we age, not only on, an, on a cognitive level, but on a physical level. So is it a different dynamic? On, I married a couple not too long ago, October, and this gentleman was 92. And the woman he was marrying was 87. They met about six months earlier through friends. They were both widow and widowers, and they decided to get married. And it was interesting because when you looked at them, they were so smitten with each other. And I married another couple, too, that was around the same age. And they couldn't keep their hands off of each other walking down the aisle. So, yes, physically, sometimes you do you're not the same as you were let's say intimately but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy the uh the touch the kiss there's so many wonderful things you you know as far as when you get older when you meet someone somebody just there for companionship you know relationships you know do change when you've been with been with somebody for a long period of time when you hit and the same thing can happen when you meet somebody in your late 70s or 80s do you find that people are more cautious the older they get, or do you find that they're more secure? Well, I think the cautiousness comes in with their fear of rejection, fear of being hurt, fear of being told they're too old, that they're not good enough, or they don't have what it takes, right? So I think that's the first thing um, that comes into play for a lot of people. And um, that's really what I think happens more so. Well, what about families? Because, you know, somebody decides that, yes, I was married for a long time and I dearly loved my partner, but I want to experience, I want to share, I want to have somebody to share with again. Have What I've seen in my practice is sometimes the family members, the kids, get a little uh, overbearing. And I don't know if it's because they have fear that, you know, that their relationship is going to change with their with their parent or if they feel it's disrespectful for the parent that's deceased. What is your experience with that? Well, you know what? You're right. All, both of them and the additional one, too. So they feel they're fearful. Right. They think that it's disrespect maybe for the person that's no longer in their their parents life. And the third is financial. So there's three things that come into play, especially if their, um, you know, living parent has some assets. So that's always where that cautiousness comes in. And I think what happens is, is the children are, you know, they're all, they almost become your parents. You know, when you were younger and you went out on a date, right? <laughs> your, your parents cautioned you with everything. And then this happens too. It's almost the reverse roles I find as somebody gets older. And again, going back to what you were asking about communication. So that's where the person that's looking to find love again, no matter what age I sit their children down and say, listen, I'm looking to find somebody 
that is going to help me enjoy the rest of my life in a way that you can't give me the same type of fulfillment. And I think that's where you need to start with it and tell, you know, tell them, listen, it's somebody, whoever I bring into my life, I would like you, of course, to accept them. Now, you know, sometimes Leah can go the other way because you could meet somebody that really isn't the best fit for you and family members will tell you, and it's all how the family member approaches you. Because what happens is, is when you start to hear negative and you're so infatuated with somebody new that you have those rose colored glasses on. So I think it can go both ways. And that's where you open the lines up for communication with your children. Boy, you make some really good points there that sometimes we just we want it to be the right. We want it to be the right thing. And we want it so bad that we get caught up in the momentum and we don't really truly see a true picture. That is so true. And that's where, but that's what I always tell clients, especially older ones, introduce somebody new uh, to your friends first. Okay. And then be open-minded to what your friends have to say, and then gradually introduce them to your family. And I think that's the key thing as well. But you know what? Sometimes again, children can, uh, you know, they can get a little petty they can get a little possessive of their parents. And even if that person that their parent met is a great person, they won't give him a chance. So I think you need counseling on both sides, wouldn't you say? <laughs> oh, I definitely think, you know, I think that talking about it and, and with a cap counselor or a pastor or somebody to make sure that you have shared values that you, that you envision the future the same way. Because I've had a client that she remarried and she retired and thought that they were just going to travel. And bless her heart, he had no intentions and he had no plans to travel. So it's that communication can be really, really key. And I think you're, you know, Starting with uh, getting feedback from a friend, family members, I know I could probably be much more critical uh, over my sons than I would be a friend's, someone a friend brought home. So I think starting with a friend that can give you objective data is a good way to start. Absolutely. And that's the key thing. But again, it's communicating and being open, open-minded to what type of feedback you are receiving. Well, and you know as well as I do, when you're giving feedback, you've <laughs> got to have some good and some bad. That's that's effective feedback. It's not just all the rose-colored glasses. You know, we've talked a lot in the first half of the show about how we can, what we can do, how we can set ourselves up for success. And I think you made the point earlier you have to set yourself up for success. You have to think about what skills do I need to refresh? What how, do I need to reframe in my mind? How am I gonna how am I gonna deal with you know my previous partner? So that, that all of that is natural for you. And instead of being a point of stress, it can be a point of comfort. So we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we'll talk more about how you can find the love that you're looking for, and the things that you can do. We'll be back after these messages. 
words you never heard. Don't you just hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but... According to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee, so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back. And in the first part of the show, we talked about how it is possible to connect no matter what, how old you are. And it is possible to put yourself out there and find somebody to share things with. And maybe there's a listener or two out there that's thinking, yeah, I think I want to do that. How would they get started? Well, I think the first thing is, Lee, you need to work on yourself. That's one thing we just touched on earlier is sitting down and finding out, you know, what do you want in a relationship? What what are your expectation levels in a partner? And let's be realistic, okay? Not everybody's going to have a bank statement like Warren Buffett, right? You have to, <laughs> you have to, but you do, you know, you might want at a certain point in life, somebody that's a little bit more stable financially, somebody that's not, you know, living on their mother's couch, you know, and they're in their fifties. So finding out what you want, what traits you're looking for, what characteristics, somebody that you can laugh a lot with somebody that has a lot of integrity. And then from there, take a moment and move to what can you do to improve yourself? Because we're all not perfect. Okay, we are always should be working on ourselves and a work in progress. And one of the questions is I always tell clients, you know, ask somebody that you're dating. And I do this, too, in my dating life. What are you doing to uh, improve yourself, improve learning who you are? Maybe spiritually you're learning how to connect and tap into yourself. Uh, maybe you're working on eating healthier things. So there are things that you need to do for yourself 
as well. Don't just affect, don't just expect to find that perfect partner, but not do any work yourself. So that's, those are the first two things you need to do. And as well as communication. And another thing I tell clients is find out what love language you are. So go to Dr. Gary Chapman's site. I'm sure you all know his book, The Five Languages of Love. He's got a great, uh, you know, quiz on there. Find out how you want to receive love. And then when you meet somebody, have them take that quiz and find out how they want to see love. Now, this is not like the cure-all. This is just a little stepping stone to learn that when you get into a relationship, how you communicate, how you communicate is also how you communicate your affection to each other. So those are the places that you can start with yourself, working on yourself, finding out what you want in a relationship, what's important to you. And, you know, and what are your must haves? You know, what are your deal breakers? Maybe you don't want somebody that smokes cigarettes, right? So, so there's things you need to think about and then, you know, moving and putting yourself out there and it's not easy. Okay. I'm not, it's not easy there. You, you might have rejection, but look at rejection as a way of growing. It's okay. It's getting you closer to finding that perfect plus one. Well, you know, rejection is very hard to deal with. And I think that's one thing that we're all afraid of. I can remember long, long ago when I did start dating, that's the one thing you're afraid of is that rejection. But sometimes rejection can be good because if it's not the right person, if it's not the right environment, it's better off to walk away from it. That Yes, it's true. But sometimes rejection occurs because somebody else doesn't know how to communicate. <laughs> so, so that Good person point. could be passing up on, because there are people today, you know, there are some people that are my age and older, let's say we text and texting does not say, I mean, it's the worst thing sometimes that you can do because you can wind up texting something back and somebody totally misconstrues it. So I think you really need to start, you need to remember it too, that even though somebody might be rejecting you, they really didn't realize they were rejecting you. And again, having a good, clear sense of communicating with, with somebody, and it starts with communicating with yourself and then going from there and communicating with others. And when you articulate that, when you meet somebody and tell them how you want to receive you know, communication. And if they don't like you, that's fine. That, that, that if you're not a match, if they want to move on, that's okay. But I, I'd rather see somebody say that to somebody than text it. Or if they text it, that's okay. Or they ghost them. And that's a worse fear of rejection for anyone when you just ghost them. And that's the worst thing you can do. That is, I've had clients that have been ghosted and it is it's devastating. It really is. And there's so many messages that we can read into it that are not necessary. So it's almost like what I hear you say, if you're ready to put yourself out there, get your game to, you know, turn your brain on to get your game on, get your game on and, and do it the right way. Absolutely. So if you're going, if you're going out into the professional world and looking to find this great career, right? You got, you're going to what? You're going to maybe take some courses to level yourself up. You're going to improve yourself. The same thing occurs when it comes to your dating life. And more and more people that are getting that are out there in the dating world are really looking for a partner that, that that's going that they're able to dance together. 
Okay, that they not so much compliment. Well, they should complement each other, but complement each other in a way that when they're separate, they have lives that they're fulfilling, and then when they come back together that they're just as fulfilled as well. So I think that's the key thing that you need to understand when you're out there. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the older generation. What about the younger generation? Because I'm sure they have challenges. I mean, when you're when you're working with people, when you're in more constant contact with more people, I think there's more opportunity. But I, I think no matter what your age, there is a challenge associated with finding someone to spend time with. Well, with the younger generation and millennials and younger, what is happening is, first of all, they are a lot more tech savvy and they use technology as a way of meeting someone. So they are more open to that. But also, they are more open, again, to uh, when they put their profile out there, they put their profile out, they're looking for a friendship, are they looking for a hookup, or are they looking for a long-term relationship? And that's probably where they've had that honest conversation within themselves. And they do that. Somebody might be offended and say, what? You only want to be friends? What? You're only looking for a hookup? You know, whether we agree or disagree with that type of lifestyle, at least they're starting with an an honest base of what they're looking for. So that's the key thing when you, but, but also too, is a lot of the uh, millennials and younger, we are finding that they were the generation that they met somebody and they moved in together and then they had children and they bought a house, but they didn't get married. So what's happened over the last couple of years with the pandemic, especially we have seen the numbers increase nationwide, there are more and more millennials that are going back to their family values and they're getting married. But they might be getting married with their children in the bridal party, but they're getting (laughs) married. So we go back to these good moral family values and that's what it what it boils down to is, you know, having as little dysfunction in your relationships. And that also sends a message to your children. When you have a happy, healthy relationship where you don't have a a lot of conflict, that's great for the children. They have a happier and healthier life. And we've got to remember that as well. That's so important. What we, the message that we send and how we demonstrate what we do in our lives to our children and our grandchildren. We can't forget them either. Well, and and you're exactly right. And I am glad to hear that that the marriage is coming back in, into play. I know that the millennials look at things very different um, than the older group, but it's all about family. And nothing nothing provides more pleasure and more love than than your family. It really doesn't. So for those, you know, we've we've um, kind of been talking about partners. Is it different if you live in that LGBTQ world? Well, you know, in the LGBTQ world, which and I marry lots of people that marry, you know, same gender. I, there was a stigma that they were not monogamous, but there are more and more. Uh, people in that particular, you know, gender-specific world that are becoming more monogamous too as well. So we're seeing that trend 
too, with an uptick of that. And it's, and it, that's happening in all age categories because I, again, I marry a lot of people that come to Vegas because they feel comfortable getting married in Las Vegas with their partner. And they don't feel like they're being looked at because there is still a portion of our society that when they see two men kiss, two men getting married, two women getting married, that there's almost like, oh, my gosh, this is not what we're supposed to do. However, you know, homosexuality was went before B.C., <laughs> you know, before Christ. So it, it happens. It happens. But they are they seem to be going towards that trend of uh, getting married and making a commitment, which has been great and having children. absolutely yes and i think it's wonderful and i think everybody doesn't matter you know what your origin is your sexual origin has the right to find and spend the rest of their life with a person that they they enjoy and love the most so true and with the wedding ceremonies that i do it's interesting because you can tell who accepts or who doesn't really accept Uh, let's say when a couple is getting married, because when they're walking down the aisle and I will just kind of glance through their guest and just look at them. And sometimes they have family members that just don't look too happy. And if you're not happy, then why come and be part of that special day? Because it definitely, your feelings, sometimes you don't realize how you wear them on your face and on your body language. And, you know, when we have photographers and videographers that are videoing and photographing, you can see the look on their face. And it's not something if I was getting married that I'd want to see my guest a little perplexed or disgusted with the choice that I made. Yep. I think you're right. If you can't, if you can't go with love in your heart, then stay home. Because it's got to be a day of love for the people that are having the ceremony. Yes. Yes. And, you know, uh, yesterday, one of the ceremonies, I did a few ceremonies that were uh, same sex. And it was so nice to see this young couple in their 30s. And they had their grandparents on both sides that were there supporting them. And that because, you know, our generation and we were brought up with that really wasn't accepted. Now, of course, you know, as we've evolved, we've been more accepting, but there's still a portion that don't that they do not accept same gender relationships. So it was great to see the love that this couple had around them. Oh, absolutely. And I have a gay son and I love his I love Henry, his husband. He's just he's my third son. Um, And and so I struggle when I see resentment and I struggle but I just I view that as lack of understanding and everybody comes at things with their own values and it comes back to what our core values are. And as you pointed out, homosexuality has been around B.C. It's true. But, you know, there's also another component as well as you see a lot of interracial relationships uh, it doesn't matter whether you're same gender or heterosexual. And there's still people that frown on that. I am just, I'm shocked to, to hear you say that, but I know it's true. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt in my mind. We as a society are, need to become so much less judgmental and, and let go of that bias. 
you know, and speaking of that, when I coach clients, when they get out there in the dating world and I, uh, you know, ask them, have they ever decided to date somebody outside of their culture, right? Their nationality, their religion, maybe even their political preference as well as, you know, race. And you'd be surprised. I've had a few clients that have met other people and that are completely a different race and it's working for them. So you really don't know until you're right. When you take that judgment and that's hard, it's a discipline because of how we've been raised. And when you can actually start coming from a point of love, I think that's important. You know, I heard this great quote. It says, love only grows by sharing. You can only have more for yourself by giving it away to others. Gosh, how true. I love that. That is, those are, those are really great words because it, and as you said, how true, you know, we've talked a lot about love and, and how you meet the right person and how you can get ready for love. And is there anything that we really haven't touched on that our audience would be interested in? Well, what I'd love to be able to share with my audience, I am so, so excited because um, over the pandemic, you know, I had a little bit more time and I had some friends call me to tell me, you know, they were going to officiate a wedding ceremony for their family member, how to officiate weddings. And I got to thinking like, okay, you know, I really need to share my gift because I have been performing weddings for over 12 years. And I also do end of life celebrations now as well. So I put together a great course on how to become a, a rock star wedding officiant. And the course is offered to anybody in the world because officiating a wedding ceremony is a gift. It's a gift and you want to do it right. And there are people out there that want to just maybe perform the wedding ceremony for their family members, but you want to do it right. And there's people like me that want to add to their income. They want to impact other people's lives, right? And absolutely, absolutely. Uh, right. Exactly. And this is a great way to uh, get out there. And you know what? You're around people with love and you never know who you're going to meet. So when I go and perform a wedding ceremony, and even though I, I did almost a thousand weddings last year, that's how busy it was here in Las Vegas. And I don't just say, oh, I have another wedding. I get to do this. And when you have that kind of energy and vitality, it just changes your whole attitude and it opens your heart to being less judgmental. So this career has been great. And I'm, I'm so excited to share it. I've had students, many students, it's a video course and live training. And Leah, I have to tell you, they when they come back and tell me how they feel and and they get paid, oh my gosh, they, it, it, they feel confident because they've gone through the course and they didn't make any mistakes because when I started I made a lot of mistakes but yeah that's I'm so excited about the course for anybody that is interested but you know I see a lot of weddings that are officiated by a, a friend or a family member and I could see that as being a real need because it, it I may love my sister to death and I maybe want her to be the one to do it but I want it done right, too. <laughs> well, you know, he really, yes, and you said something, you really hit the nail on the head, is a professional officiant, a trained wedding officiant minister, 
knows exactly what to do and, you know, knows exactly what you want and how to convey what you and your partner want when it comes to your wedding ceremony, because that is the kickoff. That is the kickoff of your special day. And if somebody doesn't get it right for you, you remember that. It's like we you just talked about when you focus on, you talk about feedback, right? We talk about the good, but then we always focus on the bad. Well, the same thing happens to when it comes to your wedding ceremonies, because there are no do-overs. You don't have a second chance. And what happens is I also, with some of the chapels I work out of, we have what we call host ministers come in. Well, I'm the host minister, I should say outside ministers, where they have a family member that got their license to officiate. And we go through with them. We have 10 minutes to go through the blocking and what they need to do and making sure that they don't stay in the frame when they have the first kiss or don't stay in the frame when they're exchanging rings. And that's not something that just comes natural for the first time. It has to be learned. Learn, Absolutely. Yes. So this is what I say. Spend the money and hire the right wedding officiant and just give your sister a big kiss and tell her you want her to enjoy the day as a guest. <laughs> I love that. And I think that, you know, think about how the pandemic, how the last couple of years have shaped us. There are a lot of people that are tired of doing a job that they hate or that they're bored. And they want to find something that they can put their, their themselves into. So what you're doing is really opening up a whole new engagement for people that are looking for to do something with their the, the work that they really personally value. Yes, you know, we, they've talked about, you've heard of that great resignation that's been going on where, you know, people are not going back into the workforce and doing some of the things that they've, you know, have done before they've elected. You know what? My time is valuable. And I think one of the things that we recognize is our time is valuable, but also in what we do in our lives for our purpose makes a big difference as well. So with that said, there's a lot of people that are moving towards multiple streams of income where, you know, years ago we got involved in a profession and we only focused on that one area. However, and we would look at somebody that maybe did a couple of things and we thought, well, that's kind of not, you know, we judge them. You should stick to your one job, but not anymore. So what's great is if you're the type of person that you like being in front of a computer, but you also need a change of pace so you're making money in one area, then you can, you know, just switch gears and get out a bit. I mean, imagine, you know, performing a wedding ceremony in a hot air balloon. Imagine performing a wedding ceremony helicopter or, you know, on a large amusement ride at a state park on a boat. You, there are so many places that people have wedding ceremonies and now they're getting a lot more creative because there's an uptick in couples getting married. They project that this year in the United States, we usually have about 2.1 million weddings. They'll go up to maybe two, six, and then the same thing for 2023. Now, I don't know if the pandemic, you know, of course, pushed back wedding ceremonies and venues, but, you know, and a lot of couples are looking for a great experience. It's not so much about you have the wedding ceremony, right? And you, you, it could be a long weekend and, and, you know, it's traditional. Now they're thinking outside the box. So why not also think outside the box for a career for yourself? I love that. I really do. And I think that I've heard people say that have walked away 
that have truly walked away from six-figure incomes and clients and have just told me it's not it's not just about the money anymore, Lee. I want to find something I enjoy doing. I want to find something that brings me pleasure. And I want to find a new way, you know, and, and if you've earned and worked hard and you've saved your money and then and you've earned good money, then you have an opportunity you know, and granted, there's going to have to be some lifestyle choices, maybe that you make differently. Um, but it's an opportunity to do for yourself. Yes. And, you know, well, one thing I think we learned over the last couple of years is that we can do more with less. And that's that's, first of all, something that we uh, came out of the pandemic. And yes, you're right. I think a lot of us are questioning having more of a purpose driven life with a passion. Because when you go from burnout to having a fire in your belly again, that's great. And that's where I'm at is I'm at a point where I, you know, feel like I have a purpose. And I'll tell you, being a a woman that's single, this has been a great career because I walk away feeling elated. Uh, I don't look at a couple and say, oh, I wish it was me. I just know that when I meet couples that meet all different ways, they meet online, they meet at work, they meet through family members, they meet, maybe you, you have a flat tire, but it just gives you hope too. And, you know, you become part of their love story because the words you say, when they come up to you and say, you nailed it, you said exactly how we feel about each other. And, you know, that's a gift because you tap into your inner self. I always share with my students, you need to make sure that you, your ceremonies are not somebody else's ceremonies. You have to make it your own. And when you do, when you tap into that and you find that purpose and that passion is where you connect and the rewards are unbelievable, unbelievably. Well, I, you know, I think that we've talked about so much during the show and we've got about three minutes left. And I think, you know, if, if you could give the three takeaways for those people that are out there and that want to reconnect with another person, what would you what would you tell them? Well, first of all, the thing is, I would tell you first that you need to make sure that you are working on yourself and loving yourself. And that's the key thing, because if you don't start with that, you, you're wasting your time. So love yourself, work on investing in yourself, whatever that is, whether it's improving your communication, improving yourself physically and mentally. And then the next thing is, is to make sure that you identify what you're looking for in a relationship as well. And write that down. Start with that. Put your goals. And the third thing is you can put yourself out there. I think that's the key thing. You might get some rejection, but you know what? Rejection is a platform to grow. And I know it's tough because, you know, I walk away licking my wounds too. Whenever I'm rejected, maybe it's business and maybe it's personal, but that's okay. And find somebody maybe that you can share how you feel so you can work your way through it. But you know what? Everybody deserves to find love and you can as long as you open your heart absolutely and for those that want to learn more about or or book you for a wedding service um how would they do that online yes well they can just call me and on go to my website true love knots it's k-n-o-t-s on the knots and um definitely just give me a call 
Well, and I think that that's good to know that there's someone out there that can give you that that wedding service that will be memorable and and will give you something very, very special. Thank you so much for sharing your your love with us today on the phone. And, and I can hear it in your voice. You love what you do. You love the people that you work with. I appreciate your time, Maria, so very much. Thank you for being a guest. I'm so th- thankful you allowed me to be a guest. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Thank you.